0: From the pinnacle of the media landscape, this is Market Edge. Join your host, Larry Weber, as he discovers the answers from analysts, entrepreneurs, and technologists who are preparing the blueprints for the future of marketing. Hear from those who are taking us to a new age of social media, e-communities, and the blogosphere. blogosphere. Now, please welcome your host of Market Edge, Larry Weber.
1: Hi, and welcome to Market Edge. I'm your host Larry Weber, Chairman of W2 Group, a global marketing services ecosystem organized to help Chief Marketing Officers in their new role as builders of communities and content aggregators. Today I'll be talking about new opportunities and challenges facing the B2B crowd uh, and technology marketers specifically with one of the more famous Chief Marketing Officers, Mike Grandinetti of Virtual Iron a Boston-based company that provides software solutions for creating and managing virtual systems, a very hot and highly competitive market that includes industry giant VMware. Mike has spent over 15 years as a senior executive at five venture-backed technology companies. Before Virtual Iron, he co-led the firewall company Raptor through a successful IPO and contributed to the software company ViewLogics IPO. Mike also helped to merge Yantra, a company that made supply chain applications with AT&T. Mike is a senior lecturer of entrepreneurship at MIT Sloan School of Management. He also sits on the advisory board of three venture capital firms, Flagship, Echelon, and Seed Capital. Mike received his MBA from Yale, where he was named the Jess Morrow Johns Memorial Scholar. While at Yale, he was also the recipient of the Procter & Gamble Marketing Leadership Award, and he's a good guy to boot. Welcome to Market Edge, Mike.
2: Larry, thanks so much for having me. It's, it's always a privilege to have a chance to spend time with you, so looking forward to our discussion today.
1: Mike, our group is mostly marketers and CMOs across a, a wide variety, mostly technology companies, but can you give us a little bit of background about Virtual Iron and, and some of the challenges you're facing in that market space?
2: Absolutely, Larry, and and there's no question we have our our, uh, challenges. So uh, our our primary competitor, VMware, is the single fastest growing company in the history of the enterprise software industry. They were the fastest to ever get to over a billion dollars in revenue. It took them less than nine years. And over the last three years, they've really hit their stride where they've gone from around $100 to they'll probably do about $1.6 billion in revenue this year. They've got about 100,000 customers, and they have created the category. And so when you see that kind of success, you can imagine that a lot of other companies want a piece of the market, and it really is truly a disruptive market. And while that's an overused phrase for sure, Uh, I think in this instance it's it's absolutely accurate. Virtualization is changing the way people are managing their data centers, uh, period. So there's been recent entry by a a number of other large industry titans. Microsoft is uh, in the market, Oracle, Sun, Citrix, and uh, slightly smaller players like Red Hat and Novell. So one of our biggest challenges is as as the, the only real pure play left in the market um, you know, living off of venture funds, how do we continue to stay relevant? How do we continue to grow and take advantage of the market opportunities as they present themselves on a global basis? VMware is distributed by over 5,000 uh, resellers today across the globe. And so one of our challenges is how do we continue to get the most bang for our marketing investments in terms of making sure that people see us as a, as a deliberate choice before they make their final purchase decisions.
1: Well, given your exper- experience in leading marketing efforts uh, for many high-tech startups over the years, and now in one of the hottest and fastest market, uh, markets, um, how is our role as marketers changing uh, right now? I mean, you know, it's not just about buying advertising, that's for sure.
2: That's for sure. And, Larry, I think as we, as we get into the discussion, it's always been about having a dialogue with your customers, about having a, a truly innate sense of understanding of what is critical to those customers. And, and this is something that I think, in general, a lot of high-tech marketers have struggled with over the years. So, you know, as we look at the role of marketing, while guys like you and I have always valued it, you know, felt it to be critical, you know, we look at, for example, just the most recent case study, HD, DVD versus Blu-ray. And for the umpteenth time, the best technology did not win. You know, and over my 20-plus year career in advanced technology marketing, especially in enterprise software, there is less and less – blue ocean all the time. right and And so more and more what we're seeing is that it's it's sophisticated marketing and positioning and community building you know with the market that really determines the winners from the losers. So as we come to the current day, um, you know it's always been about a dialogue, but more and more now that dialogue uh, supplements the face-to-face dialogue by being online. And it's only when you have that ongoing, honest dialogue with your users and you have that, you know, trusted relationship that you really understand the needs of the marketplace and only then are you really able to address them. And at the end of the day, I really think that's what the essence of marketing has always been about, you know, for as long as I've been practicing it. Um, So I don't know if there are, uh, if I've answered your question directly or not, but
1: no, you have and and of course I agree with that. I guess in the the you know, the category of business to businesses especially I'm yeah. it's in, it's interesting that um, you know, we almost have no trade publications anymore. So oh. those people have to be going somewhere for their knowledge or for their you know, their information or their sharing. How come most businesses have been you know, you know, late to the game in understanding the impact of the blog sphere, e-communities, and the the digital dialogues that are happening right now. And how would you advise sort of marketers in business to business to, if they haven't been there, to get their toes wet?
2: Yeah, and, and I think just to address the first part of your question, why so many businesses, especially startup businesses, have been late to this game, I think. The vast majority of, of startup companies are still led by technology executives, and again, I've got an engineering background. I have nothing against technology. I've been helping to promote it for 20 years, but there, there continues to be this worshipping at the altar of technology mindset. You know, even more so here in the Boston market than perhaps in Silicon Valley, and you know, there's there's just a lot of imbalance and way too much focus on the. Uh, you know, the product for the sake of the product. And there's a lot less understanding of the way that people really communicate with markets and the way that decisions are made. So it's been fascinating to see some of the trade publications that not all that long ago were, you know, a couple of hundred pages thick literally going away. And I think a lot of companies who got very comfortable doing the old traditional method of quote unquote communicating with their customers by buying print ads. Uh, or maybe more recently banner ads, have not really understood the transition as quickly. Um, and, and perhaps some people have viewed the blog as a fad um, or the community building exercise as a fad, but I think it's actually a fundamental shift in the way that we're going to work with our customers going forward. So what I would say to my, my peers, chief marketing officers from you know around the world, um, you know our jobs are fundamentally different and will continue to be fundamentally different going forward. Some of the most prominent industry commentators on my market today don't they don't live in the united states. the The single most widely read blog is published by a fairly young guy in Rome, Rome, Italy, who I think was very visionary and saw this market tornadoing about three years ago, and he set up, sort of a gateway, and, you know, he is someone that you have to go and visit every day, and whenever I'm in Europe, I make sure that I spend time with him, you know, spend time with him on the phone. Um, another one of our more prolific bloggers is an Indian gentleman from, who now is a, uh, a Dutch citizen living in Amsterdam, right, and so we're seeing more and more independent voices, uh, you know, rising to the fore, sometimes surprising in, in, in who these people are. Um, I'll give you another example. We were actually in discussions with a billion-dollar-plus national reseller of servers and storage equipment and VMware products. And that relationship stalled. And it turns out that one of their lead technology uh, people began becoming an ever-more-popular blogger around the subject of virtualization. And I wound up being introduced to him in his role as blogger and the relationship that he and I developed through some discussions we had helped reignite our relationship with his company. So the points of Interconnect are getting more and more interesting. You're seeing a lot more full-time executives today who also have independent blogs. You know, These things have been sanctioned by their respective companies. Um, but what I'm finding is these are the people that are in the market every day. They have the best understanding of what's going on. And as a result of that, what they're communicating is the most relevant.
1: Just to, this is just a to,
2: phenomena you can't
1: ignore. Just to get a little more granular on that, you know, the impact of this um, on product development. I mean, yeah. how are how are you how are you predicting or how are you even seeing right now in your own company, you know, this discourse and dialogue and independent viewpoints helping make better products?
2: Yeah, and it's a great question, Larry. There's so many different input streams now. And so many of them are online. So let me give you a few examples. Um, you know, we use online market research tools. It used to be you'd have to go run a focus group meeting down in a, a large frosted glass room, you know, and you'd pay $25,000 per per city, and that's just prohibitive for the average young venture. So we're more using more and more online market survey, market research tools, more online focus groups. Um, the other thing that we're seeing is that we have created um, a, a community with a variety of different forums, and within those forums, we're getting tremendous input from those people that are using our product, uh, and we, you know, we allow them to debate one another on the merits of different features and, and you know, what they're looking at in terms of their product roadmap. Because we sell through a large global network of resellers, we have a portal that we've created. You know, And within the context of that portal, we're getting feedback from our reseller community you know, through different chat rooms. So there's a lot of online dialogue taking place, which we are facilitating and stimulating and then benefiting from in return. Uh, now, of course, we continue to do some of the more traditional face-to-face things. We have a VAR council, uh we certainly do ask our customers for their feedback. But the vast majority of the input we're now getting is really coming from online sources for the first time. And given that we are you know just you know sixteen months in the market with the product, over forty percent of our business is coming from outside the US and we only have a handful of employees physically residing outside the US, it's critical that we're able to get market input from from offshore. And, uh, and social media has been a very powerful force in
1: doing that for us. Well, we'll talk a little bit more deeply about social media in the second half of our show, but I wanted to get back to just uh, a little uh, reference you made about the Boston market. You yeah. know, there's there's constant talk that Silicon Valley tech companies do a better job at marketing and listening than East Coast. Do, do you yes. think that's an old-fashioned thing now and that uh, times are changed? <laughs>
2: You know, Larry, I, I wish I could stand here and say that Boston is is every bit the equal of Silicon Valley in marketing, but I, I don't think I'd be I would be completely honest. And when I think about marketing, it's more than just strategic, you know, positioning of companies. A lot of it is seeing around corners and seeing what's next. And you know, the Boston market over its history has missed a lot of just fundamental shifts in the market. You know, Web 2.0 only being the most recent example. So, you know, I think that it's it's difficult for a region to disassociate itself from its historical past. Um, and you know, the Boston, uh, the people that settled the Boston area just in nature had been a fairly conservative lot. And between the Boston venture capital community and the people that uh, have been brought in to run a lot of the companies, we we tend to be more focused on sustaining versus really disruptive technologies. Um, And so we've missed a couple of the big shifts in the marketplace. The other thing is I think the folks in Silicon Valley just, you know, they have this mentality of go big or go home. Um, And while they've had some spectacular failures, they've also had some spectacular successes. And so as I look at a lot of my Silicon Valley counterparts, um, you know, they're, they're bringing a lot more. Marketing uh, funds to the table, trying to declare victory first, and then figure out how to build out the product. Um, and I think you and I both know a lot of examples of where Boston companies were far more competent technically, but ultimately not were not the uh, the ultimate winners in their markets.
1: Well, we had uh, a recent guest was George Colony from Forrester, yeah. who said uh, who said the most critical thing right now is that IT and marketing is probably the most important relationship um, going forward.
2: IT and marketing. So say more about that.
1: Uh, The the two groups, uh, marketers and IT, can't just go their separate ways anymore. They've got to walk hand in hand. Okay. We're going to take a short commercial break right now. Please stand by, and we'll be right back with Mike Grandinetti of Virtual Iron and more of the conversation. Market Edge will continue in just a moment. How do you choose
0: the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple, markethealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Can you believe how long it takes to order food here? Uh, Here we go. Excuse me. She's not even looking over here. Great service is hard to come by. Whether you're sitting in a bar, restaurant, or creating effective search advertising campaigns. Um, excuse me. We got it. Put it up there, elves. Wow. Currency elves. Who knew? GoCurrency.com. Free currency converters, language translations, and more. GoCurrency.com. The whoring of Facebook for promotional purposes continues with the WebmasterRadio.fm Facebook fan page. Join our fans by clicking the Facebook logo on the WebmasterRadio.fm homepage and keep up to date with all the latest. Become a fan on Facebook.
1: WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere.
0: From the pinnacle of the marketing landscape, we now return to Market Edge. Once again, here's your host, Larry Weber.
1: Welcome back to Market Edge. This is your host, Larry Weber, and I'm here today with Mike Brandonetti, Chief Marketing Officer of Software Solutions and Virtualization Company, Virtual Iron. Today, we're talking about a vast array of topics from new opportunities and challenges, Facing B two B technology marketers to what today CMOs need to think about. Hey, let's get back, Mike, a little bit about social media. It's so new to some people, but how, how does Virtual Iron view the uh, impact of social media uh, on its own uh, on its own success?
2: Yeah, I think it's been an absolutely critical, fundamental part of our marketing mix, if you will, from really the, the very formative stages of. The company and our marketing efforts. So, you know, while I've always been an extremely uh, big believer in the importance of working with the influencer community, namely analysts and and leading trade publications, um, the blog sphere has become just an extraordinarily important, um, you know, group of people that you have to pay attention to. And they are forming impressions Instantly. It used to be that you'd have to wait to the following Monday to see what was happening in the industry. And then when trade media went online, maybe reporters were publishing, you know, a couple of times a week. Now everything is happening in real time. And so we need to be able to monitor, first of all, influence, of course, but also because we can't control all of the communication taking place across the global blog sphere, monitor And quickly analyze and process those implications and for our growing network of global resellers, help them understand the implications of one of the most dynamic IT spaces in history. There are announcements happening all the time. So we spend a lot of time monitoring the blog sphere, influencing the people that we believe are the most critical uh, out there. Uh, We have invested pretty heavily in building a a community and and uh, moderating forums uh, because at the end of the day, uh, our customers uh, are typically relatively young males that have grown up uh, in the world of, of being online from their most formative uh, stages. And so we see that they get more and more of their information online and they get more and more of it from their trusted peer group as opposed to from the vendor itself. Uh, so we really try to create a community for those people to you know share their thinking about how virtualization helps uh, improve the way that they do business. Um, We do an awful lot of online marketing, so we're big believers in webcasts. We run multiple webcasts every month. Uh, We then archive those webcasts for the convenience of our prospective customers, and you can't imagine how many people come and look at these things after hours or on the weekends. Uh, We do the same with podcasts. Uh, I've been blogging uh, fairly consistently, largely around the experiences that my customers have had in using virtualization, um, we get picked up uh, very, very high on the Technorati and in the uh, the tech launch and the Google search engines. Uh, so a lot of times, the blogs that I post specifically around customers using Virtual Iron uh, get a lot of visibility. You know, and we try to then package a lot of these customer experiences online in other ways. We do webcasts with them, podcasts with them. Um, so, you know, we're we're using a lot of these tools. Clearly, there's a lot of room for improvement, but um, more and more of what we do is through social media. We tend to do less and less physical events today just because we need to have global reach, and we just don't have enough people to cover all of the different events that are taking place. So we get a lot more return using social media
1: and communicating with our constituents online. How do you keep the content fresh, uh, Mike? You know, it's... It's almost like a 24-7 business. Um, how do you guys really address keeping the content at its, at its best?
2: Yeah, you know, that's a great question, and it is really one of the great challenges that we've had. And, and I think we go through cycles, and I think we're in an upcycle right now. But one of the things I'm trying to do is blog at least twice a week on how our customers are using our products. Um, and so, I think that the single most important thing that our prospective customers care about is how people that they can associate with in their industry, uh, companies of their size and type, uh, are using the product. So we're doing that regularly, and then we're repackaging that in a variety of different ways. Um, we're, you know, based on uh, some of the things we talked about earlier, as we learn more and more about our customers around specific initiatives underway uh we're blogging and creating white papers and, and webcasts around subjects that are of very strong interest to them. So the Green Data Center, for example, um, is a critical issue to all of our customers. And so you're seeing us you know create a variety of different uh position papers, webcasts, podcasts, and customer case studies around that. Right. Um, but it's a challenge because uh, this market's moving very, very quickly and you need to have that fresh content to continue to be compelling to those people that are hitting your website.
1: Well, the you know the it's always going to be important to keep the uh, the content fresh and by nature the you know social media actually doesn't have to cost an arm and a leg. It's just it's about thoughtful participation. But what strategic advice would you give sort of other startup CMOs? Faced with that usual pressure they get from CEOs and boards, yep. to, uh, that uh, you know, to, to execute you know global marketing strategies on a limited budget.
2: Yeah, and, and Larry, it's a great question. It's never been about a big budget, right? It's always been about working smart. And I think the thing that I have found to be, I think, the single biggest reason uh, why the four ventures I've been a part of have been successful is because at the end of the day, it really is all about the customer. And if a marketing uh, organization, is the CMO and his leadership or her leadership drives an extremely deep and intimate understanding of the customer segments that you can really claim global leadership around, and if there's just this very in-depth understanding of what their struggles, their challenges, their obstacles are, uh, and how you can bring some unique capabilities to bear that address those issues more than anyone else. And if you can stay true to that, um, a lot of the other stuff is really detailed. And what I, what I have seen, you know, as an advisor to venture firms and other and other uh, uh, startup companies, is this is where so many marketing departments fail. Is they're just too tactical, and they're much more focused on programs and lead gen. But the company is not flying in V formation because the marketing organization hasn't really defined who is our poster child target customer, what are the issues that they're facing, how do we uniquely address those issues. And if you continue to come back to that very fundamental point, um, it doesn't take a lot of money to be effective. Uh, All of the programs that you do that are organized behind that uh, are going to hit home, and they're going to hit home in a very impactful way.
1: What are some of the companies out there today, besides Virtual Iron, Mike, that that you really think are are doing just a fabulous job at business-to-business marketing in the tech space? Are there some some companies you admire and maybe some specific things they do that our audience might find interesting?
2: Yeah, I mean, I have to give credit to VMware, specifically around um, their use of social media. And, And the one area that I'll call out for VMware is what they call their VMware Technology Network, or VMPN, and VMPN, I think, is, is sort of the penultimate example of, of what one can do uh, with community, and this is an extremely thriving community, and VMware done an extraordinary job of building uh, intensive participation, um, and and this you know, is just so indicative of the energy behind this community of global users that they've created and, you know, it's funny, when you go to the VMworld events, you know, you get a really strong sense that their their users have a tremendous amount of respect for the company, for the product, and, um, you know, they're very proud to be a part of that community. So as I think about social media, you know, I would say that they've done a very, very good job. Um, I like some of the things that Corey has done. I think that um, uh, their uh, CEO, Tom Joyce, uh, has done a very good job of doing some very sort of informal um chalk talks, if you will, where he kind of walks through value props and he walks through some. how some of his customers are using the product in a very layman's way. And I think those are things that are very, very compelling. Um, you know, so those that's one example of a startup that's sort of in the virtualization space, a server virtualization space, um, as well as you know one of the large incumbents that we've looked at that we think has done a very, very good job.
1: As you look out, you know, two, three, four years from now, yeah. Um, you know what? What what kind of advice can you give the sort of younger uh, marketers in technology companies um, as far as shaping their careers and the role that they're going to play in uh, in the technology marketplace?
2: Yeah. You know, I've always been a big believer that uh, people that come into technology markets and want to build careers in marketing will be far more successful, and far more credible with their CEOs, with their counterparts, You know, if they have some understanding of product. So if they've come into the space with marketing backgrounds and they haven't studied engineering, uh, I would strongly encourage them to you know, do what they can to become more technically proficient and more comfortable because it, it's only when you have that ability to have dialogue with customers Uh, Can you really contribute to the strategic thinking of your business? And I think that really separates those people that will lead their companies and those that will be contributors, but not necessarily strong leaders. Uh, I think the second thing that anybody in any career should do, but certainly the folks that uh, we're talking to today, is uh, you've got to practice as a master craftsman and and. Marketing is evolving at an accelerating rate. The technology industry is evolving at an accelerating rate. And when you look at the point of intersection between these two different uh, vectors, um, there's an incredible commitment required to keep pace. So if you're not a voracious student and reader, if you're not going back and constantly updating your skills and staying current, um, it's going to be very, very difficult to continue to maintain a leadership position. So at the end of the day, you've got to love this stuff. I don't think you can do what you and I do, Larry, and what people in, in the tech markets do if you don't love it, because the demands are incredible. Um, and if you don't love it, you're probably not going to invest the time required to do what's needed to be
1: successful. Couldn't agree with you more. Hey, Mike, you reading any good uh, business books lately you'd like to share with the uh, the audience?
2: Yeah, you know, Larry, it's funny. I, uh, I'm probably reading too many good business books, but let me just, let me just uh, share with you a couple that I'm reading. One is, and because we live here in the Boston marketplace, uh, biosciences have become such a powerful, powerful force. So one of the books I'm reading is The Billion Dollar Molecule, uh, by Barry Wirth. And it's, it's really a, uh, it's, it's an example of one company's quest for the perfect drug. And I think it really sort of embodies the entire experience of, what it's like to build a successful biosciences company. It's actually a great read. Uh, I just picked up The Big Switch by Nicholas Carr. Uh, and obviously, Nicholas has been pretty controversial with his most recent book. Yep. Um, and he, uh, he is now talking about really cloud computing, if you will. Uh, and that's very relevant to Virtual Iron because more and more of our customers are in adopting our technology to deliver cloud computing and cloud storage experiences to their end-user customers. Uh, so I'm finding that very relevant. Uh, I recently saw a speech by Tom Kelly, who's the general manager of IDEO and uh, you know one of the great industrial design firms. Yep. He's talking about the ten faces of innovation, uh, and I think he puts in really great layman's terms things that I've understood to be important for a long, long time, and I think he's done it in a, in a very uh, accessible way. And then I'm rereading one of my heroes, Clayton Christensen, seeing what's next. Right, because constantly playing in this world of disruption and trying to understand how to anticipate how my friends from VMware are going to respond to our dynamics. Right. So there's too many good books out there, Larry. i <laughs> <laughs> got about three or four open right now.
1: Hey, our, we're, we're we're at our last question, which I always ask my uh, my guests, and it, it doesn't have to have anything to do with Virtual Iron yeah. business technology. It could be from travel or food or okay. whatever, but. Any really cool sites you'd like to share, even just one that uh, you've come across the last couple months that uh, you think just terrific? Uh,
2: in general, just across anything, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably uh, too focused on the day job right now. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, again, you know, maybe I'm going to promote my MIT experience here, but uh, because my, my whole life is about entrepreneurship, I think the MIT Entrepreneurship website for people starting companies is just an incredible compilation of, uh, of you know, resources for those people that want to move into this world. You know, In the world of online marketing, there's a, a startup company here in the Boston market called HubSpot that I think has uh, built a very, very interesting set of capabilities to enable people to um, very cost-effectively enhance their online uh, social media uh, and marketing efforts. So I'd say that's another one that's pretty cool. Um, so those would be two that I would, uh, I would offer.
1: Thanks, Mike. And uh, thanks. That was a fast half hour, but uh, we're, we're just about out of time. So I want to thank Mike Grandinetti, Chief Marketing Officer of Virtual Iron, one of the hottest companies in, in its space today. Thanks a lot for being with us on Market Edge, Mike. Well, it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Really enjoyed the discussion today. And thanks, everyone out in the audience for listening to today's Market Edge Conversation. Tune in again next Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time here in the U.S. at www.webmasterradio.fm. This is Larry Weber. Have a good day.